Yeah. A lot of times when I see new people starting roof climbs, their feet just can't stay on the wall. That, that is usually the biggest telltale sign that the core is weak. Hey y'all, I'm Ryan Devlin and welcome to the Struggle Climbing Show's Pro Clinic with an absolute crusher, Dr. Favia Dubek, emphasis on the abs in absolute there, if you got that. Favia, as y'all know, joined us in season one as a guest, and you probably also already know that she is a monster when it comes to keeping tension on steep climbs. In this pro clinic, Favia identifies common pitfalls and shares tips for beginner, intermediate, and advanced climbers to level up their core game both on and off the rock. If you find yourself falling off of steep climbs, it is very likely that your core was the culprit and Dr. Dubik has lined up some super helpful and inventive and actually really, really fun interventions that climbers of all levels can work into our routine to level up that core. This pro clinic's made possible by patrons of the show. If you're a patron, thank you. I love you. You get access to this entire episode as well as the growing library of pro clinics and ad-free episodes. If you're not a patron, I still love you. And I would really appreciate it if you would consider joining the struggle community as a patron if you have the means. I will tell you more about that in a little bit. But first, let's front lever our minds into this pro clinic with Dr. Favia Dubik. Let's just catch up for a second. It's been a little bit since we chatted. How are you? I'm doing good. What month did we chat in? <laughs> right. What 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 year? Uh, <laughs> um, you were doing you were doing some swim lessons. Does that help? Oh goodness. <laughs> well, I guess um, there is progress in that and not progress. I took a swim test and I failed. Um, I went back to Tuck Fest again um, this April. I competed, and I didn't need to be rescued. So that's where you're climbing sport routes, but over a, a swimming pool, right? Yeah, you're climbing 40 feet off the ground, um, and then you fall into the water. Gosh, that's so heady, especially for someone who has a fear um, of water or not is not a very strong swimmer. How deep is the pool? 20 feet. 20 feet deep so you're 40 feet up it's 20 feet deep and and you did not need to be rescued that's pretty major yeah uh my first year i competed i had horrible nightmares i was in i pretty much was in a five hour long panic attack oh my gosh because i went into like the wrong bathroom i couldn't speak sentences but this year i spoke in sentences i got to talk to the other athletes and like have fun with them um, and I had no nightmares, so it was actually progress. Um, Huge progress. As soon as, but I didn't do as much training for swimming as I did for the first time, so I hadn't really been in the pool as much. So when I was swimming to the surface, because when you fall into the water, you go deep in, you have to swim up and then over. I just started thinking I would never get to the surface. <laughs> well, and you got your rock shoes on, right? You got chalk bag. Goodness, it was, it was an experience, but you know, every year it's getting a little better and better. Wow. 
I'm proud of you. That's really major. You know, it was a struggle that we talked about in our interview and it would be so easy to not do that, right? Like there are a lot of comps out there where you just have a rope on or it's a boulder comp or, you know, like where you're literally not dropping into a 20 foot deep um, swimming pool. And, you know, for you to to decide to go back and to work on that, um, that's so rad. That must that must be pretty rewarding. It is not so rewarding yet. That's <laughs> still a struggle. Still a struggle. Gosh, good for you for working on it. That's incredible. Well, let's do another call. Then you can <laughs> you can do a pro clinic on deep water soloing. Um, you know, I have to check in too because one of the things that we talked about in our interview was that you um, one of your big struggles was dynamic climbing and doing dinos specifically. And and since our interview, I've seen you post on Instagram some really impressive dinos of you doing whether it was on a board or just some you know some boulder problems. And that looks like an area where you've just continued to make progress and are dynamically climbing at like a super high level. Yes, I've actually gotten a lot better since we last spoke, which I guess was only a few months ago. I wish I could tell you what happened or, or why. I think it's just sheer repetition, just doing it over and over and over again for years, and it's finally paying off. Um, so I'm right now climbing stronger than I've ever climbed, pretty much. Incredible. And I'm doing dinos that I couldn't do. I, I took a step back from some of those dinos, and I didn't try them for a whole year. And then now I can just do them like first or second try. So. <laughs> Sick. That's so great. So people just don't give up. It's frustrating, but you just can't give up. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're, you're truly like such uh, an inspiration and testament to that. Uh, because, I, you know, as we had, when we were talking, you were there was a point at which like you weren't doing V0 or V1 dinos where like everything was super static. And as you said, you were working with the team over at Lattice and just it wasn't like all of a sudden you woke up and we're doing V9 dinos. It's been this like steady incremental progress, which is just what rock climbing is, you know, right? Like whether it's you're trying to go from climbing 5.9 to 5.11 or a fear of falling, like it's it's not typical that there's just some aha moment where it's like this thing, this huge, like everything just clicks. It's like, you know, slow and steady kind of wins the race, I feel like. It does. It does. Um, and that's what I have to tell myself now, because even though I'm dinoing better and, you know, I'm getting like V8 to V10 dinos on board problems now, I'm awesome. still not happy. Still not happy. Still not enough. Yes. Yeah. That <laughs> hunger. Well, that's what keeps us going. That that constant striving for for, you know, continuous improvement. I love that hunger. And you know, one of the things that we talked about also, uh, or, or really focused on, was of course your your love of low ball climbing and and specifically roofs, like low ball roofs, right? And um, there's of course plenty of videos that you've got on your page um, of of you pulling these crazy low ball boulder problems. And what have you been up to there? Because we're here ultimately, we're going to be talking a lot about core strength training with you um, in this pro clinic, which obviously you you have to engage a lot in your style of climbing, like that low ball roof climbing. I feel like you spend a lot of time out at Waco Tanks. 
this season? Where else have you been doing that type of climbing and how's it been going? I think since we last spoke, um, I was working on Wright Martini. I have done all the moves on Wright Martini, but I just have to link them now. But interestingly, I th- there's two ways to do the crux move. One that is nothing but a core workout, which I'll get into later. Um, and then another one, which is a throw. <laughs> uh-huh. So I can do it the core workout way, but I haven't yet stuck it with um, out a power spot the dynamic way. But that is my goal is to be able to do it the traditional way because right now I'm in a point where I'm no longer going to try to use tricks to avoid my issues. So like, sure, I can do some crazy toe walking above my head and hand foot mash to do it, but that's not going to help me be a better climber because I can't mm. dyno. So I want to really try to get right martini with the dynamic method as well as my crazy app workout. <laughs> that's so great. You know, I love that philosophy um, because I, I do think there are a lot of ways to to implement tricks or you know, modern beta on especially like classic problems, you know, maybe a more extreme kind of example of that is is using knee pads and, and catching like knee bars where 40 years ago they didn't exist. The gear didn't exist and the style didn't exist. But even what you're saying, it's just in a pure way to kind of honor the way maybe the route was first conceived. Um, I like that you want to do it both ways, though. You're like, I'm going to get it my way, but I'm also going to get it their way. So <laughs> that's great. Well, I've avoided traditional ways most of my climbing career. And I've seen that that, that worked for me for a while. Um, I was like, well, look, I don't need that beta. I can just use, actually, it's usually core is like the key difference and sure. flexibility um, to get around it. Um, but now that's just getting harder and harder when you're trying to trick your way out of v12 and v13 yeah and, and what about where does dislocating your shoulders stand on tricks that you're willing to implement <laughs> well that still that still stands i will still totally do that at any time good good i'm, I'm glad to hear it um well i'm so excited to dive in with you today with this pro clinic on core strength and core training and also applying core which is maybe something like a little bit more nuanced that I'm excited to talk with you about as well. I mean, there's a strong core and then there's a way, a way to apply a strong core to our rock climbs. So before we kind of dive into the content that that you're going to be sharing with us, you are like just the strongest videos that you've put up of you doing these like variations on levers and, you know, usually involving a cat or something like that. Um, and so... I guess the assumption is that, you know, you've just always had like super human core, but is there an area where you've struggled with your core training or core strength ever in your climbing? Yes, but I only found that recently. I've had a pretty strong core for as long as I've been exercising. Um, so I usually tell people it's a lot of genetics, but I've found that I haven't been using my lower abs and hip muscles appropriately or properly or at all. And and that is what I have been focusing on for maybe the past six, seven, oh, actually longer than that, eight months or so. Um, I've been, and I started really, really beginner exercises. Huh. Um, and it was just 
learning what those deep lower ab muscles felt like. So all I worked on was just like trying to feel them like, okay, push and only use your lower ab muscles. And it wasn't even an exercise. So it was just identifying those muscles. And yeah. then I built onto that to where I am today, where I can now activate them when I'm walking. I can activate them when I'm going upstairs. I have not yet achieved to the ability to activate them while climbing. That's, that's, that's the end goal, of course. And that is going to help me send my local project, which is a, a low ball roof. <laughs> it's new since I last spoke to you. I don't think I had tried it. Um, and now I'm obsessed with it. But the key, there's about like one move I can't really do on it. And that key will be pushing down on my lower abs at the right moment. It needs to be natural because there's so many other things I have to think about. Right. I need for that part of my ab activation to just happen without me saying like push. Because right now when I go upstairs, I actually think push, take a step, push, take a step, push, take a step. When I go hiking, I go push, push, push. Like I'm constantly thinking about it every single step. I, I mean, I think in a few more months, it'll be more natural, but you know, it's, it's progress and it's getting there. Yeah, this is great. This is really interesting because, you know, I think that sets a good stage for for our conversation today, which is finding ways to identify, train, and engage our core to assist in our climbing. And it isn't something that we often consciously think about, right? Typically, we might be thinking about place my fingers here, get it in on an undercling here, move my hips closer this way, you know, dig my toe in or, or, or engage the heel hook here. It's, it's not as common where we're like, okay, now engage my core on this. And so I think that's, it's interesting to hear that that's something that you're going through right now, because I think those of us who don't have the overall core strength, like you do, which is 99.999% of everybody <laughs> climbing and listening to this, uh, myself included, we're going to need to think about it a little bit more, uh, initially, and then hope that then with time, it comes a little more effortlessly or naturally. So let's look big picture for a second um, and just talk about the importance of core strength to climbing in general, whether we're boulder climbers or sport climbers or big wall climbers, you know, through your perspective, where does core strength play into that equation for us as climbers? And, and maybe even how do you define core strength? So I think core strength is the bigger picture is even is path climbing. Core strength is a healthy body for your entire life, like a pain-free life. And if you would have talked to me one year ago, I would never would have said that. I have a completely different answer. But what I have learned in this past year, since I, I herniated my disc three years ago, mm -hmm. and three years ago, I couldn't walk because of the herniated disc. So I had bigger things to think about than my core. Then I was trying to regain leg strength. But now the stage I'm at with my herniated disc is trying to get my core, but not just like the front muscles, it's the entire like lower back muscles, ab muscles stronger. And so getting, and I do a lot of front work core to help my back pain. Mm -hmm. And so getting your, keeping your core strong and all parts of your core strong will just help you lead a life with less pain, less back pain, You'll have better posture, less neck pain. Like it was just, it's just better for your life. <laughs> it's pretty important. But I didn't really see that until this past year when I thought like my PT was like, okay, I want you to, like I said, like just find these 
these like lower ab muscles and just learn how to activate them and this will help your back pain. And I was like, I don't know how this is gonna help my back pain. He was right. Back pain went away when I strengthened my core, my lower core, deep core muscles. Wow. Um, but in terms of climbing, your actual question, <laughs> uh, <laughs> core is important. I mean, I think I take it for granted because for the most part, I've kind of learned how to activate it naturally for roof climbing. But I mean, if you want to roof climb, core is important. If you cut your feet on any type of incline, overhung, if you want to put your feet back on, then core is important. If you even want to do pull-ups, core is important. <laughs> sure. Sure. So essentially, I, I mean, like if you think about like the most kind of extreme examples, if you're climbing on like a true roof, so you are like straight, like horizontal, mm -hmm. it's not just your fingers and your toes that are keeping you on, right? It's it's the tension between your fingers and your toes. And the tension between your fingers and your toes is essentially in that in that scenario, it's I guess your abs and your back, right? When we say core, we're basically it's like that it's like that whole trunk area, is that right? And maybe even your butt, although I don't know if that's considered core anymore. <laughs> I don't consider butt core, uh, but a lot of the core exercises work your butt or you have to use your butt to get the core. Um, yeah, I think uh, the reason core is called core because it's like the core of your body. It's like the important part of your body. And unless you're campusing, but you still need core for campusing. But like if you're climbing with your fingers and you have your toe down, I mean, the thing that's connecting those two is your core. So if your core sags or drops down, then it's going to be harder to stay on the wall. Yeah. So that's, that's great. Let's, let's look at that for a second. When you see somebody climbing, like what does somebody who's maybe got advanced or properly engaged core when they're climbing on something steeper versus somebody who, who doesn't like, is it pretty apparent to, to see, is it pretty apparent to feel? Um, how can we Essentially, how can we understand whether, you know, we've got a good, strong, engaged core or not? Uh, for me, it's obvious. I can tell. <laughs> yeah, you said you said people sag. Like, what does that mean, sagging? So, and I, I will tell people sagging is great for when you want a toe hook, um, but it's not great when you're trying to stay on the wall and you're not in a toe hook position. Uh huh. Uh, so, sagging is like when you're, say, if your body is a straight line. But then when your hips sag, you're, you suddenly become like a 45 degree angle sure. or you become like a, like an arch. Um, and that's not keeping your core engaged. Or a lot of times when I see new people starting roof climbs, um, their feet just can't stay on the wall. That, that is usually the biggest telltale sign that uh, your core is weak. Is that if you're trying to do something overhung and your feet just keep flailing, that's, that's cute. That's, that's like, Point one, but then the second point is that if you feet cut and you can't get them back on the wall, that's a second sign your feet are weak or your core is weak. Um, so those are the two things I can look at people. I'm like, oh, okay, well, they cut feet there when they didn't need to cut feet, a little weak core. Oh, but they put their feet back on, so it's not that weak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm, you know, thinking back on when I started climbing steeper things and it was very much cutting feet a lot now that you say that like I didn't think about it consciously until just now like now like if I'm climbing you know kind of a steep section I'm I'm really trying hard to like press through my toes and just you know step through and keep the body on and all that but, but when I think back it was just like a lot of like 
grabbing something, feet cut, try to swing them back on, grab something, feet cut, try to swing them back on. And of course, that's freaking exhausting because you're spending so much more time on your fingertips than you are, you know, not essentially, right? Yep. However, we talk about that right now being bad form, but one of my favorite, favorite and most fun app exercises is exactly that what you spoke of. Oh, cool. Okay. Well, let's break it down to like beginner, intermediate, and advanced. We'll, we'll go in order. So what do you see with beginners as kind of that common um, challenge or, the, or that pitfall that you see? I see kind of two things. One is that they'll do an exercise for a long time. Like they're, and myself included, like goal would be to do like a hundred reps of a setup, like do a hundred sit-ups. Um, and then like every day, just do a hundred, try to do a hundred sit-ups mm -hmm. for a week, for months or four years, and just try that one exercise and do a large number of that one exercise. That's probably the biggest thing I see. Um, so right now, if I can do 15, sometimes even 10 of an exercise, that's when I start adding on the weight or making it harder, like make it more difficult. So it could be weight, it could be angle, um, but like I don't, I don't do reps more than 10, <laughs> like ever. <laughs> and, and why is that? Like from a, a physiological point of view, you're a doctor, so that's it's very helpful to have both a pro climber and a doctor on the same call. Um, why would 10 weighted sit-ups be superior to 100 unweighted sit-ups? So, I mean, this is coming from a person who's a boulderer and who's, whose life has been a, I've been a sprinter. So I'm all about having the most explosive power as possible. So sure. maybe if you're trying to do a big trad route, this um, is not for you. But if you're just trying to get more power and strength, then like doing a hundred or something, it gets kind of easy and routine and you're not putting in that max effort. But like when you're doing five or something at like 85, 90%, then like you're, you're really going to be pushing yourself and getting stronger. Um, so I try to keep my effort around like 75 to like 90% when I'm doing my abs. Um, and so when I'm at like 15, it's more of an, or 20, it's like more of an endurance problem now than a power problem. Um, I also just find it like really boring, but <laughs> no, but that makes, that makes perfect sense. Cause just even to relate it to other climbing type exercises, there's, you know, endurance repeaters on a hangboard and there's max hangs, you know, weighted max hangs where maybe you're only doing three or five of them as opposed to 20 or 30 or, or, or whatever. So it's interesting. I've never really thought of core in that sense, but it makes perfect sense. So when you're doing these weighted sit-ups is the example that you're talking about. You're building that explosiveness um, as opposed to dipping into the kind of the different energy system, like more of a, like a, a an endurance system. So in, in that example, when somebody was doing the pitfall is doing 100 sit-ups a day, as many days as they can, you're recommending add weight to your sit-up. So like you're holding like um, like a plate on your on your chest or how does that look? Well, I actually don't recommend doing sit-ups at all. But oh, good. <laughs> Okay. Good setup form is difficult uh -huh. and bad setup form is easy and can get you injured. Um, and it can easily strain other muscles that you um, don't want to strain. And that if you do other ab exercises that you can get the same workout, but you won't get injured. 
So actually, I try to stay away from sit-ups. But yes, for that example, it would be to do it at a, on an incline or decline or some way to make your intensity higher. So you want, so it could be add weight, but the goal is to increase your intensity Got in it. your reps. The reason doing sit-ups over and over again every day for like months is bad is because you're only working the same muscle and you're ignoring many other abs, like parts of your abs. So you're working your, your rectus abdominis, but you're not working your obliques or your deep abs, like your psoas, your iliacus, like any of those, you're not working them. So you're just working one set of abs and it's not actually going to get you stronger. So as a beginner, I love this. So as a beginner, I'm trying to do as many sit-ups as I can every day. That's where I'm the, the kind of the pitfall that I'm, that I'm in. What would you recommend to me? What should I do instead? So my first one that I tell like every new person to exercise is the hollow body holds. I love these because this position translates to many parts of other exercises, climbing things to other sports. It's just kind of a universal, uh, healthy position to be in when you're working your abs. And it has a wonderful way for you to check yourself if you're doing it right or wrong. So what so, is, so yeah, could you describe what a hollow body hold is? So a hollow body hold is you're gonna just lay on the ground, you need no equipment. You'll have your arms by your ears and you will just lift up your head till your shoulders are like slightly off the ground and you'll lift your feet up until they're about two inches off the ground and you're gonna hold it. But the key is when you're new to this, you're gonna arch your back. And that means you're not engaging your, your abs. So you can just say, am I arching or am I not arching? And then you can know, am I using my abs or am I not using my abs? Mm -hmm. And then you can check if you're arching. I mean, like sometimes you can just feel like you're just really in a big arch, but you can also have someone else or yourself place your hand under your lower back. And if you can go all the way to the middle of your back to where your spinal column is, you're arching. If you can't get your fingers there, then you're not arching. And so then you can know right then and there, you have your feedback instant doing it right or doing it wrong. Very cool. So this, so I'm understanding this picture. In that scenario, I'm laying on my back and my feet are being raised and my hands are being raised. Uh, and, and also my head. Your head and your shoulders a little bit. Head and the shoulders. And are my hands, uh, my arms above my head as if like, like in a Superman position or where are my arms at that time? Uh, well, they should just, you're... Let's see, your bicep should be near your ears. Got it. I lay down on my back. I stretch out essentially as long as I can. Like I got my, my hands over my head. I got my feet stretched out. And then I'm, I'm lifting the shoulders and the head up a little bit, the feet up a little bit. And the poor form would be if my back is arching. So if the low part of my back is essentially lifting off of the ground. And that means Correct. my abs are relaxed. As soon as I tighten my abs, it pushes my back back down flat to the ground. And then do you do reps of that? So uh, I hold it. Um, so I, I would start holding it for like, if you're new, 10 seconds. And I would do it three times. Um, and that's it. Got it. And then uh, work your way up. I think like once you get to a minute, that's good enough. And then uh, you can add weights. You can put weights in your hands, weights on your legs. It's, that's how you can make it more intense. That's great. But I wouldn't hold it for 10 minutes or anything like that. Right. Okay, good. 
I love that. I think that's something that it doesn't require equipment. That's something that we could all do. Um, what other kind of beginner level core exercises do you like? Oh, back to the hard bowling hold. That's the position that I like to do my pull-ups in. Oh, so, so you've got a little bit of a curve to your body when you're doing... Yes, it makes sure that my abs are activated because you need oh. your abs to do the pull-up. So I'm in that position when I start. And it's kind of, it's not like a, a super big curve, but it's just like my activation curve. Um, and that's when you do weighted pull-ups, that's going to be very important to be in that position so that you don't hurt um, your lower back. Yeah, interesting. And so I'll feel that or I'll know that that's engaged because essentially if I'm just hanging from a pull-up bar, I'm just like hanging loose, my my abs are relaxed. My small of my back is relaxed and all of that. And so as soon as I tighten my abs, you're, it kind of just adds that slight curve, right? Like a like a, a letter C, but like very, very, you know, flattened letter C. Exactly. Because when you're going to get to more advanced exercises, no matter like what it is, like even doing... I did uh, push-ups with my friend on my back, <laughs> which I'd never tried before. Like, I'm not even that great that. at pushing. When she got on me, I was like, whoa, this is an ab exercise. Like if I didn't want to get injured, I needed to engage my abs. Like it was hard to push, but the most important part to not getting injured was engaging my lower back and my abs. And so having just getting that into a routine that when you're doing something heavy, engage. Um, that is, that is like key for when you're climbing too. like, oh, you're doing something hard, engage. So this hollow bottle hold, if you start using it everywhere, it'll become natural. Like, so I don't think about it when I get the pull-up bar. It's just what happens now, but it's a good routine to get into. Okay. I love this. Um, what else? Anything else in the beginner world that you recommend? Um, I like to also mention Superman holds. Uh, again, this doesn't require equipment. Also kind of like the reverse of the holly body hold. I mean, it's, it's more reverse than the plank because you're going to be on your stomach uh, or on your core and your abdomen, and you're going to lift up your chest, like your shoulders and your lower body off the ground. Like your feet will be a couple inches off the ground. Your hands might be like six inches off the ground. And this is going to be working your other muscles. So you've done these hollow body holds to work one side of your core. But these supermans will balance you out so you work the other side of your core. Because if you do, like I mentioned, if you do one exercise over and over again, you're going to get imbalanced, which leads to injuries. Mm -hmm. So you can do your holly body holds with your supermans to have a full core workout. Yeah, I mean, that's essentially the photo negative of the hollow body hold, right? So you're on your back with a hollow body hold and you're lifting up your, your toes and your chest and your hands a little bit, curving where your abs are. And the superman, you flip over. You lift the same things just in reverse and you're curving where your back is, right? Yes. Okay. So you would do like an equal number. If you did three sets of 20 seconds on the hollow body hold, you would maybe try to do three seconds, three sets of 20 seconds on the, on the Superman. Exactly. And what I find to be the most fun is that, and also more difficult. So this could be like a step up and you can do them individually is that you'll do your hollow body, hollow body hold, and then you roll over to Superman. And then you'll roll back to your holly body hold, and then you roll back to your Superman. So during this period of time, you don't actually take like a rest, but it kind of feels like a rest because you're working different muscles. Yeah, cool. I dig that. That's great. And how many days a week would you do that? Or is that an everyday thing? No, I don't think there's anything I recommend doing every day. 
<laughs> Thank God. <laughs> because that just lends to an overuse injury. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't even do my rehab every day. I did my rehab every day at one point in time. You know what, what happened? I got injured. Injury. <laughs> <laughs> and my PT was like, no, like it's normally they're telling people to do it. And they're like, okay, no more than three times a week. <laughs> All right. And so you're that way with core as well. Core, like if you were to do pull-ups a few days a week or fingerboard a few days a week, core would just kind of fall into that type of cadence? Yeah, I, I do only right now one core workout a week for the past couple of years. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, like one specific core workout. Other ones will involve core. But yeah, we actually don't do, I don't do too many core workouts anymore. Other than outside of my rehab that I'm doing to strengthen uh, my lower back from my herniated disc. But from the lattice perspective, uh, we just have pretty much like one core workout. Cool. Good. This is really good to know. Thank you. All right. So that's the beginner. Now we're moving into intermediate. Uh, this is my territory, right? I think, I think I'm, I'm certainly not advanced, um, but you know, it's, it's, I guess somebody who's uh, maybe been climbing a little bit longer, getting into some steeper territory, um, maybe has been doing some of these uh, more beginner type exercises like you've been talking about. What are some common pitfalls or, or challenges? What do you see the intermediate climber struggling with uh, in, in this department? It's the cutting feet when you don't have to cut feet. I mean, I love cutting feet. <laughs> it looks good. It looks good. It's fun. And for me with my herniated disc, it's actually more energy to try to use my feet than to not. So if I can easily cut feet, then I will because it's actually an energy saver for me. But for most people who don't have a herniated disc, keeping your feet on is makes their life a whole lot better. For that, I recommend this exercise. You can make it kind of more advanced, but you'll go to an overhung problem and then you will on purpose. And that wraps up your free intro to developing core with Dr. Favia Dubik, the master of core herself. There's another 35 minutes of insights and protocols that Favia lays out for intermediate and advanced training levels, but those are also scalable to beginner as well. It's great stuff. So look, if this is an area that you'd like to improve in your own climbing, pop on over to patreon.com slash the struggle climbing show to check things out. For about the price of a cheap beer or a fancy cup of coffee each month, you're going to gain access to pro clinics, early and ad-free episodes, limited edition swag, and other cool perks. That all gets loaded to a top-secret feed that will come to your podcast player or that you can listen to on the Patreon app. And of course, you can cancel anytime, no worries. I'm just grateful for whatever support you can throw my way, and I'm going to keep working hard to provide a lot of value for your patronship if patronship is even a word. Somebody look that up. Let me know. So thank you so much for listening and for supporting if you can. I've got more free content coming your way, totally free stuff like regular episodes of The Struggle Climbing Show with elite climbers sharing their struggles and breakthroughs across all of our normal subjects on the show. A lot of good stuff coming your way, so listen up for those. All right, the struggle makes us stronger. Let's climb hard and do good things in the world. <laughs>